if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is now underway at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It's a Monday, the seventh morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2020. <clears throat> and our country is in some serious jeopardy right now. We have a country to save. Now, the point of view of some, however, as we look at the you know the the dark side of things, the negative side of things, the uh, the issues including the presumptive president-elect, presumptive is a very important word there, Joe Biden, uh, and the progressive you know policies that he and his team are willing to champion and are in fact promising to champion. Um, that is a big problem here, but does that mean that we are necessarily shifting into and becoming a progressive nation? Our next guest says no. Our next guest says we are still a conservative country, and that Joe Biden and the progressives and the socialists all, you know, foaming at the mouth to try to change this country into something else, um, that they're going to fail. And his evidence of this is the 2020 election. Steve Moore is our next guest. And Steve wrote an op-ed. They ran in Fox News and some other places talking about how the Democrats who are celebrating victory and saying that the U.S. is making this leftist turn toward their uh, socialist policies as being, you know, popular and so forth, um, are deluding themselves. They expected a big blue wave of Democrat victories across the country. And instead, as Steve Moore writes... That turned into a red tidal wave from coast to coast. Most progressive ballot issues in the states, from tax increases to racial preferences, also came crashing down. A big reason for this turnaround in the election was the massive turnout for President Trump on Election Day. It's one of the reasons, by the, by the way, why so many of us, speaking for myself here, simply do not believe the results of the election. Because conservative and Republican victories from one end of this country to the other make no sense than for, uh, you know, for President Trump to have lost. They didn't go out there and vote for Republican legislators, Republican issues, and then say, ah, let's go with Biden on the big, on the big ticket. No, doesn't work that way. How deep were the losses for the Democrats? Asks Steve Moore. 
In the U.S. House, Nancy Pelosi thought her, te- her team would gain 10 to 12 seats. Instead, they lost at last count nine and could be as many as 12, 13, or 14 seats being flipped. That's an extraordinary accomplishment for the Republican Party in a real statement about the, um, uh, about the uh, nature of this country as a conservative country still, regardless of the presidential outcome. But the real carnage, Steve writes, was in the State House. The latest from the American Legislative Exchange Council show the GOP gaining a total of 192 House seats and 40 Senate seats in states across the country. Republicans flipped control of three different chambers. As a result of these big and improbable wins, Republicans now have majority control in both the House and Senate chambers in 31 of the 50 states. That's not just the House. That means they control the full-on legislatures of 31 out of 50 states. Democrats have control in only 18 states. That's a map of the USA that looks awfully red throughout middle America, with the only, only the uh, rusting northeast and west coast turned blue. What's truly stunning, Steve Moore writes about this story, is that the Democrats and liberal progressive donors, the Michael Bloombergs, the George Soroses, the Mark Zuckerbergs, etc., poured hundreds of millions of dollars into the state races to take over legislatures, with unprecedented spending going to Florida, Texas, and Pennsylvania. And what did they get for their massive investments? Bupkis. Nothing. Because conservative majorities reigned. The American Legislative Exchange Council President Lisa Nelson estimates that Democrats outspent Republicans at least three to one, triple, triple the amount in those states, and all they got was a lousy T-shirt. Democrats uh, admit that their party's embrace of socialism was a major turnoff to voters. Representative Ab- uh, Abigail Spanberger of Virginia won her race, but she's not happy. Uh, quote, we need to not ever use the word socialist or socialism ever again, she says. Democrats lost good numbers, or members rather, because of that. And of course, Republicans' only loss really was the White House, one that, quite frankly, uh, many of us still do not believe. I know I am among them. Okay, so not sure if uh, what's going on here. It looks like we've got some problems here getting a hold of Steve Moore, so uh, we're probably going to push that off. Uh, he's got some uh, conflicts going on, so we're going to move on to some of the other things that I do want to get into. And I want to go back to the stories that I started before the break, before the top of the hour break. And I'll open up the phone lines for you again as well. 216-901-0945, Let's go back to the story of big governments taking away the constitutional rights of American citizens who do not toe the line when it comes to their ridiculous mask mandates, when it comes to their ridiculous lockdowns. The Oregon Medical Board, I told you the story before the top, or yeah, before the top of the hour. The Oregon Medical Board has revoked the license of a doctor who admitted during a rally against these lockdown orders that he never he neither he nor his staff used masks when treating patients and running their their medical office the Oregon medical board has deemed this doctor to be a serious danger to public health i want you to listen for just a second to this doctor explaining to the rally now this by the way is a little older this rally was held on November 11th, I believe it was. No, I beg your pardon. It was, it was November 7th, just four days after the presidential election. It was November 7th. 
Um, and this doctor was at this rally in Dallas, Oregon, as uh, people talked about the need to take back their liberties, to take back our constitutional rights from those trying to take them away in the name of public health. Listen. And uh, now I've been uh, 20 plus years here in Dallas as a physician. I want you to know that I never shut down during the entire COVID season from the time it was declared to now. I, I hate to tell you this, it might scare you, but I and my staff, none of us, once wore a mask in my clinic. And how many problems did we have in our clinic from that? Zero, absolutely none. I treated approximately 75 cases of COVID. The last time I saw a COVID case was on February 10th of this past year. All right, so this doctor, his name again is uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen LaTulip, and he said that he and his staff do not wear masks when treating people, and he has treated 75 people diagnosed with COVID. And he said, we do not wear masks, and guess how many cases came out of his office? Zero. No other patients and no staff members have been tested positive for COVID. NBC News reports now that the punishment from the Oracle Medical Board is to strip him of his license. He spoke at the Stop the Steal rally outside the state capitol. Oh, I'm sorry. He was outside the state capitol in Salem, Oregon. He practices in, in uh, Dallas, Oregon. A video uploaded that you just heard, uh, heard him downplaying the coronavirus, con- uh, condemning the mitigation policies ordered by the government, and saying he has never worn a mask. Now he doesn't have a license. According to the emergency suspension, Latulup in July allegedly told a patient who asked for guidance on when to get tested for the coronavirus that asymptomatic people should not be tested and that wearing a mask does not prevent transmission. By the way, both of those things are true. Latulup directed the patient not to self-isolate because being around other people would provide immunity from COVID-19, according to the documents. The board also found that Latulup and his staff refused to wear masks in the clinic, and urge their patients to remove masks as well. Medical board investigators who visited Latulip said there was no there were no screening procedures upon entering the premises and no hand sanitizer were available in the waiting area. As a result of the findings, the medical board ruled that Latulip constitutes an immediate danger to the public and presents a serious danger to the public health and safety. And I'm just going to stop here and state the obvious for this. This man is a medical professional, and he is entitled to his medical opinion. He is also entitled to run his business as a free person anywhere that he wants. There is no law in Oregon law, at least that I'm aware of, and there is no federal law that requires anyone to wear a face mask. Guidance offered, even orders given by state boards of health, do not make them laws. If a state health director orders me to do something like, for your own good, I need you to do 15 push-ups, and I choose not to do those 15 push-ups every day, even though it's for my health, can he find me, strip me of a license, lock me down? No. This is the point that we're making here. They're stripping people of licenses. They're stripping people of their businesses. They're closing churches and houses of worship down all in the, excuse me in the name of public health which may or may not be well intentioned but it is absolutely not constitutional 
It may or may not be well-intentioned. That's, that's up in the air. But we know, and this is not up in the air, that it is not constitutional. And it is not lawful. And perhaps that's why this sheriff, a California sheriff, has said that he, neither he nor his deputies will be used as muscle against residents practicing their own constant or exercising their own constitutional rights, no matter how much an Eric Garcetti or a Gavin Newsom scream about it. Listen. Hello, I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. We have all recently learned of the new regional approach to combating COVID-19 and the pending closure and stay-at-home orders from our governor. We were also told there was a potential he would be withholding federal and state funding from counties who did not enforce the orders. Ironically, it wasn't that long ago our same governor loudly and publicly argued how wrong it was for the President of the United States to withhold federal funding from states not complying with federal laws. The dictatorial attitude toward California residents while dining in luxury, traveling, keeping his business open, and sending his kids to in-person private schools is very telling about his attitude toward California residents, his feelings about the virus, and it is extremely hypocritical. These closures and stay-at-home orders are flat-out ridiculous. The metrics used for closures are unbelievably faulty and are not representative of true numbers and are disastrous for Riverside County. When the medical field is so split about this virus, it might be time to employ a little common sense. Keeping money and support from our hospitals, who are struggling with normal, seasonal increases in patients, coupled with COVID-19 patients, is irresponsible. It appears part of the new goal is to shift attention away from his and others' personal behavior with a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude by turning public opinion against California sheriffs. He is expecting us to arrest anyone violating these orders, cite them and take their money, close their businesses, make them stay in their homes, and take away their civil liberties, or he will punish all of us. I believe that all jobs are essential to someone. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. Bullies do. As has been our position from the beginning of this pandemic, the Sheriff's Department is asking and expecting Riverside County residents to act responsibly and do what they can to protect themselves and their family from contracting the virus. Wear your mask and practice social distancing. While the Governor's Office and the State has threatened action against violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the Governor's orders. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a safe and Happy New Year. We need to hear that line again before the break here because this part is extraordinarily important. This is what it's all about. Violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. And that's exactly what I want every single law enforcement leader to do in this state, in every state. Refuse to be the muscle for unconstitutional orders. And as far as the masking, you just heard the sheriff. I'm okay with recommending it. I'm okay with saying, hey, you should do this, you should do that. I am not okay with enforcing it when it is unconstitutional to do so.
and perhaps, quite frankly, unhealthy as well. We'll be right back. Okay, 1026, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to be wide open for your phone calls the rest of the way at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll get you up and on the air between now and 11 o'clock. Uh, I would definitely like to hear your views of all of this. It's a, it's a very frustrating thing. No one is suggesting that people should be reckless. Don't be reckless, but do what you believe is right for you. A lot of people have taken to... Um, Borrowing the phrase of the pro-choice or pro-abortionist group, uh, and I got to tell you, I can find some merit in it. My body, my choice. It's my body, and I will decide if I want to put a mask over my face to help protect my health. It's my choice. And if the leftists who want to scream at me, yeah, but what about other people? Well, then I would suggest you look in a mirror every time you utter that phrase when it comes to abortion because other people are impacted by your decisions as well. You can't have it both ways. Bob in Medina, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Bob, you're yeah. next. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi, Bob. First of all, I'd like to, uh, uh, usually at the, at, the, at the end, but in, I want to say this in the beginning, uh, the moral of the story is common sense, and uh, I was very, very blessed in getting my common sense through listening to you and a few other of the conservatives. With that being said, um, uh, if the timeline was like this. My son goes to a trade school, already graduated, and so we enrolled him in a, in a, a trade school. School on uh, his last day of school uh, recently was on December 30th. Okay, uh, which was uh, should have been on a Friday, I believe. If I'm looking at my calendar, actually November the 27th. My bad. So uh, then uh, they don't have classes on Monday. Okay, on Monday he lost his sense of smell and his sense of taste, which is two of the uh, symptoms of COVID. Of COVID. Symptoms. Right. right, okay. Then uh, on, um, that was uh, uh, over the weekend, over that weekend. Then on Tuesday was a snow day, you know, for, you know, uh, living in Medina. Uh, so all the schools were closed. Uh, he still had the symptoms. Wednesday I decided not to, you know, send him to school and that we would go go ahead and get the testing. Thursday, now we're up to December th- uh, 3rd, uh, we went through the drive-thru and then uh, uh, filled out forms, and then uh, the nurse says he probably has it, just, you know, keep him, you know, locked away, all right? And so then uh, on, uh, um, you know, we're supposed to receive the, you know, diagnosis today, but more than likely he has it. During yeah. all of that time, you know, my son then started to wear a mask at home because he lives with mom, you know, and then when he comes over, I live right next door, he uh, he wears a mask, you know, and so okay. common sense, you know, and so now it's, okay, he's got a sense of smell, got a sense of taste, and uh, there it is, you know, and I am... 60 plus years old, okay, and have no problem at all. And I did tell my son, when you get an take off your mask, 
Um, uh, Bob, I, I didn't hear the end of your call. I didn't hear the end of your call. I, the last thing I heard was and I, that I tell my son, and then I heard nothing but uh, dead air slash static. I don't know if the phone was interrupted or if it was just my connection was interrupted, so I didn't hear the tail end. I apologize for that. What I will say in response to the part of your call that I did hear was that you're right. It's all about common sense. If you have vulnerable family members, you should take extra precautions to protect them as you see fit or as they would request of you. This is common sense. If you know you have the flu, you don't go to school or work. That's been the case forever. If you know you have any communicable disease, you don't go and put other people in jeopardy if you know it. You take care to protect yourself. If you are not sick, you do not have to do these kinds of things again unless it's your choice, if you feel concerned. And that's what it's all about. Your entire point of your call was your son got COVID. He took common sense measures. You and your family took common sense measures on how to deal with it. And that's exactly what everybody should do as they see fit. 1031. Uh, let's uh, continue your phone calls right after this. 216-901-0945 on AM1420. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 1037, we roll onward. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. And uh, a lot of uh, extraordinary information to go through as we continue. Uh, and uh, if you did not hear the audio, by the way, of the restaurant owner, I, the, the condescension, honestly, from the the elected officials is just it just gets to be too much. Angela Marsden is the owner of the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill, so it's a bar restaurant in uh, Los Angeles. And I played the I'm not going to play it all for you again. Maybe just the last the tail the tail end of it. But uh, Angela Marsden took her video camera, her phone out there into her parking lot and showed the big white tent that she erected so that she could serve her customers with outdoor dining, which was the rule in uh, in California. Outdoor dining is okay. Indoor dining is not. So she put a ton of money, about eighty thousand dollars, into her erecting an outdoor dining area. Then she was told, you've got to close that. You can't use it. It's unsafe. No outdoor dining either. So she took her phone out there to show everybody. About 50 feet away from her tent and her big enclosed there covered area were five massive tents being set up by a movie production company to feed the movie production team, to feed the producers and the camera people and the sound people and the actors and everybody else. They had five massive tents for outdoor dining. And she took her camera phone out there to say, what the heck is this? You're going to tell me that it's safe over here, but it's not safe under my roof, under my tented area? How can that be? She wanted to highlight the hypocrisy. And again, I'm just going to give you the tail end of what she had to say here because it was very impassioned, and I think it's very important that we should all hear it. And I will bring it to you as soon as it refreshes itself. Here we go. This is safe. 
three feet away? This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. That impassioned plea was part of about a two-minute and ten-second video went viral. Eric Garcetti saw it, too. The Los Angeles mayor who said that it's time to cancel everything. He literally said those words. I played them for you earlier. Cancel everything. He responded to the viral video from uh, Angela Marsden by saying this. My heart goes out to her and the workers at the Pineapple Hill Saloon who have to comply with state and county public health restrictions that close outdoor dining. No one likes these restrictions, but I do support them as our hospital ICU beds fill to capacity and cases have increased by 500%. We must stop this virus before it kills thousands of more Angelinos. End quote. Now, the reason I tell you and I focus on the response to the viral video, the response to the complainant, is because of the hypocrisy within the response. He never once addresses why hundreds of workers need to be eating outdoors in the five tents uh, uh, next to her tent, across the parking lot anyway, for the movie production studio, the movie production company. Not once. It's not safe, Angela Marsden, because we have to stop this pandemic. It's not safe to eat outside at your restaurant in tables that are seven feet apart, actually exceeding the the uh, the recommendations or the orders. It's not safe to eat there. The virus lives under your tent. The virus is banned from being under our tent because these are Hollywood tents. These are movie tents. And movies, as you know, are essential operations. We have to shoot movies now, and the people who are shooting the movies have to eat. You don't have to eat. Your customers don't have to eat. That's not essential eating. Our eating is essential eating, and the virus knows that, and that's why the virus doesn't come there. It's the same way that the virus knows that the people in Home Depot need to get that uh, jigsaw at that moment. The people at Home Depot need to get that plunger. The people shopping at Home Depot in that massive area with hundreds of people inside, they need to be there. It's essential. But the pandemic, the virus also knows that you don't need to be in church. You don't need to be there praying. You don't need to be there singing and raising and lifting your voice unto the Lord. That's not essential. Getting that weather stripping right now, that's essential. And the virus knows it. And we could take this, of course, into another direction, which has already been done, but it continues to be repeated. Protests, righteous anger, that is also essential. If you've got something to protest, as long as it's not protesting the health orders and the lockdowns and the mask mandates, if you're protesting anything else, particularly as it pertains to social or racial justice, you know full well that's essential protesting, and so do we. You can't pray in your church. You can smash shoulder-to-shoulder with your friends at the local protest site. This is the kind of thing, like I said, where 
you know, Americans are going to eventually say enough is enough. Americans are going to rise up. Americans are going to say, we will not comply. And I'm going to be one of the people leading that charge, along with my friends at CFFS. Citizens for Free Speech is about to go on the offensive. They're about to take you to the streets. And when I say that, I'm going to give you a caveat there, because this is important. Citizens for Free Speech, which is an organization that I work with, it's headquartered in Mesa, Arizona. But Citizens for Free Speech has been doing everything they can to present evidence, scientific evidence, proven and corroborated by multiple studies, including randomized controlled trials uh, conducted in Denmark, in which it has been proven that A, mandatory masking does not decrease your chances of being infected by a coronavirus or at least the the chance of uh the chance of you contracting that virus is decreased only by what is called a statistically insignificant amount less than a third of 1% and they did a massive study of that Citizens for Free Speech has been trying to get this information out because they believe and I do too um, that's why I'm part of it that mandatory masking and mandatory lockdowns do more harm than they do good to a community population. And in fact, there are many studies that have been conducted that show being forced to wear masks for long periods of time not only does not help improve your health, it actually can be negative and actually be a health hazard for you. So they've been trying to share this information. We have been trying to share this information across the social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth, right? YouTube. And it seems as though every time they and organizations like this one um, attempt to get this message out, their message is either covered with one of those fake news, fact-checkers have said this is not true, this is disputed nonsense, or they have limited their reach, or they have just banned or closed or suspended the accounts altogether. So Silicon Valley, the technocrats that run this entire you know, uh, the, the population's mode of thinking, because so many people aren't reading newspapers for their ed- information any longer. Uh, they may or may not trust their partisan views on uh, social, or excuse me, on, uh, on uh, uh, cable television, cable news. More and more of them are getting their quote-unquote news and information from social media. And so we have tried to use that to our advantage to express these different points of view than the mainstream narrative about masks being the panacea about lockdowns being necessary and appropriate and healthy for populations, right? But we keep getting banned and blocked. So they're taking it to the streets in this regard. This is the caveat that I was talking about. It's extraordinarily important to know. These are not protests. Protests bring to mind, they have the connotation of blocking traffic, smashing windows, setting fires, targeting businesses. That's not what these are. I sit here on a daily basis, and I tell you, this is wrong, that is wrong, this is wrong, is that, and that is wrong. And some people say to me, a lot of people actually, Bob, what do we do about it? And oftentimes, I don't have an answer beyond, take it to your representative. Take it to your state rep, your state senator, take it to your congressional representative, your uh, your senators in the United States Senate. Take it to them and tell them if they what you want them to do, that you're not going to vote for them. And really, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. 
It seems to be anyway. Well, in this case, I'm not just going to sit here and say, take it to your senator or take it to your representative. What I'm going to tell you is take it to the streets. CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech, is organizing all across this country what are being called, not protests, but educational events in which we will gather in crowds no bigger than 20. We don't want it to look like it's a massive, you know, MAGA rally. Although MAGA rallies or MAGA rallies, if you will, are awesome. But that's not what this is about. These are educational events. Signs will be carried, yes, but they will be educational. Businesses will not be targeted. No traffic will be blocked and no people will be harassed. Brochures will be handed out explaining the points of view that we're talking about here. This is the way we go to the people without having the Silicon Valley, you know, Jack Dorsey who runs Twitter or Mark Zuckerberg who runs Facebook stopping us from reaching the people. We're going to reach them personally. The first event is coming up out in Arizona on Thursday. What I am, the reason I'm bringing this up to you is because we have a massive membership of CFFS, Citizens for Free Speech, in the state of Ohio. It's called CFFS Ohio. That's the chapter. And I encourage you, by the way, to go online at citizensforfreespeech.org, citizensforfreespeech.org, and register as a member of CFFS, and then even as a volunteer, because what we are going to be asking you to do is help put together our platoons of 10 to 15 tops 20 people going to various locations in our city and community streets, particularly on the sidewalks where you don't have to have permits. We're not going to be in streets. We're not going to be on public squares. We're going to be on sidewalks. So you don't need to have any permits, and we are going to educate people who are willing to listen. We're going to educate people who are willing to read what we have to hand out. So I'm asking you, rather than just, you know, hey, every talk show host, every one of us gets on the air every day and says, this is bad, that's bad, this is bad, that's bad. Look at all these problems we have. We have to save this country. I spent the first 90 minutes of the show doing what I always do, highlighting uh, uh, injustices, um, praising things that, that, you know, that are praiseworthy. And when we talk about the negatives, we, I'm not, you know, I normally just sit here and say, you know, boy, this is terrible. And people say, what do we do? Well, now is your answer. Now you have your answer. This is what we do. You want to push back against lockdowns, against mask mandates? You can do so. And we do so with numbers. Not massive numbers in one, in, but massive numbers of individual areas. 10 to 15 to 20 people tops. Let's not scare people. Let's not intimidate people not into not walking by. Let's just be there to educate people. And that's how we push back. That's how we push back by stating those words that I gave you at the beginning of the segment. We will not comply. We will not comply with orders that are unsafe, that are untested, and obviously that are unconstitutional. Final segment coming up. Ten fifty four. Just six minutes of the Bob France Authority left on this Monday. 
Uh, a lot of really great information. Uh, Jim Jordan, if you missed him, you didn't really miss him, really. We all did. Jim Jordan was uh, traveling today in the air during his scheduled slot. He will join me on Wednesday at 9.35, so make sure that you are here to hear that. We also could not connect with Stephen Moore. He had a bit of a conflict as well, so we'll try to catch up with him down the road another time as well. Uh, meantime, I do want to uh, get a call or two in here before the top of the hour and also a sound bite. Let me go to Tom and Wadsworth first. Uh, so that we can talk about, really, what the soundbite is about. We're going to be talking about the election theft, but go ahead, uh, Tom and Wadsworth. What's on your mind, sir? Well, I I don't know what... Mm. I had. I was streaming the hearing. Sidney Powell has a hearing today in Georgia. And yes. I heard her heard her tell the, ask the judge if they could see, examine the, the voting machines, because I don't know if they've ever got the chance to see any of those machines yet. Plus, plus she asked to see ballots. You know, and she said there's a chance of being counterfeit balance, and she wants to see them. So it's going on right now. So I wanted to get that well, out there. Well, let's uh, let's put and thank you. I appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I know I've been kind of monitoring it myself in between segments here. As far as getting the machines, particularly in Georgia, according to news, <clears throat> excuse me, over the weekend. Uh, reported by Steve Bannon, um, the Trump team, Trump legal team, did obtain a Dominion voting machine in Georgia and examined it. According to John Fredericks, that was confirmed by Joe Altman on Parler, they, there were 37 votes that flipped in the very small county of uh, Ware County, Georgia, on that particular machine. Now, that represents only 0.26% of Georgia ballots. When extrapolated to the entire state, however, that equals more than 14,000 votes that would have been flipped to Georgia, to a Biden, and Georgia was stolen by only 10,000 votes, votes, uh, by, uh, for Joe Biden. Now, what I mean by this, and when I talk about, you know, obtaining the machine, they literally have the machine, and according to the, uh, reports, they have tested the machines with the algorithm that was used during the election. In Ware County, Georgia, they ran an equal number of Trump votes and Biden votes through the tabulator, just as a test. Now, this is the official machine used, they say, in Ware County, Georgia, for the counting. Okay? They ran an equal number of Trump votes. Let's just say, for the sake of discussion, they ran 10 votes through for Trump and 10 votes for Biden. It should have come out 50%, 50%, right? But the tabulator actually came out and reported 26 more votes, or 26% rather, more votes for Biden. 26% more votes for Biden. In a machine where they literally just counted the number of Biden and Trump votes that they ran through to see what it would show. And that's what it showed. So my point to that is in response to your call, and that is, uh, Tom, that they are examining the Dominion machines. Now, whether it's a judge that's examining them, whether it's a government entity, or whether it's just attorneys, I don't know. But I do know that in Ware County, Georgia, they have one. They tested it, and this is what it showed. Where that goes from here, we will have to watch. But I'm going to tell you this, just to be 100% honest with you, because that's all I can do. Time is running out. 
Today's the 7th. One week from today is the 14th. And on the 14th, the electors will be casting their official electoral votes for the president. And once that happens, for president, I should say, not the president, but for president. And once that happens, all of these legal challenges are going to be moot points. So whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to do it fast. And things aren't looking necessarily great. That's, that's just the best that I can say it. As we sign off today, I want to ask you to do this. I don't have the time for the Kelly Leffler soundbite about stealing elections. We'll do that tomorrow. But as we sign off, I want to say this. Go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Sign up as a member. It's free, and they will not share your info with anybody else. Become a volunteer, and then join us on the streets. We are going to have to take this into our own hands. If we cannot do it virtually, we're going to have to do it in person. Sign up at citizensforfreespeech.org, and we'll see you tomorrow.